Hello, friends and family. Thank you for joining me again. We're going to go through the Chapter 5 curriculum for Earnest from Earth. Our SEL focus for this chapter is relationship skills, as Ernest makes an encounter in this chapter. So the first question on the curriculum guide is, who does Ernest meet in this chapter? Describe the character. In what ways does the character look similar to Ernest? In what ways does the character look different? So we don't know this character's name just yet, but Ernest meets a boy from Targ, the planet he is on. Looks very much like a human around his age. Dark hair, shaggy hair, a little shorter, a little broader than Ernest, but looks to be about his same age, even wearing clothes that look similar to what would have been Earth's past. Ernest is wearing things contemporary to his time on Earth, and this boy is wearing things very similar to an earlier time on Earth. The one sort of noticeable difference is that this boy has red skin, truly the color red, not a red tint, but red skin. The second question, how might meeting this new character play into the overall theme of the story? Students could pick a lot of different things here anytime that we're predicting something, but they might discuss the fact that the appearance mentioning the color of the skin might have something to do with the story, that it might have something to do with race, Ernest being an outsider, them having different appearance, those sorts of things. How does Ernest communicate with this new encounter? Why do you think Ernest took this course of action? Was it a good decision? Why or why not? So at this point in the story, Ernest hasn't started speaking to this new encounter. They speak a different language, a kind of hint that we've got this universal translator thing that he's asking Otis, Otis the onboard computer from the space shuttle, if they've got the universal translator going. So making it clear that they will be able to communicate and it was kind of funny when I was writing this point in the story, I wanted, of course, Ernest to be on this different world. And I kind of set up ahead of time that all of the different worlds with discovered life seem to develop in a similar way that Earth has. They're just sort of different points along that timeline. That's always kind of one of the tricky things if you're writing something that's science fiction, writing something especially about different worlds, different civilizations, that sort of thing. I didn't want it to be totally focused on that. So how do you kind of jump ahead to some of the things, get past some of the questions that might arise? Like, how would you talk to someone from a different world? How would they look? Those sorts of things. So I sort of set it up that all of these inhabited worlds are developing in a way similar to Earth, so we expect things to be fairly similar. And the communication thing, it didn't make sense that Ernest would show up and this boy from another planet is speaking English. 
Although I suppose that could have been part of the development too, but I thought they would have his own language. How do I kind of jump past that? Well, we'll come up with this universal translator device, but I did want the initial interaction to be that sort of communication barrier that does exist when we meet someone from, especially someone who speaks a different language, but even someone with a different background, different colloquialisms. Anytime we're sort of the outsider, there can be a communication challenge like that. And what I had Ernest do was he basically gets out his baseball glove and his father's baseball glove and kind of tosses it to this new encounter, mimes throwing a ball, and he gets this new person he's met to play catch with him. For me, I wanted to find something universal. And I don't mean universal in the sense that everyone plays baseball, but universal in it's easy to make a connection in a nonverbal way if it's something like playing catch. Play is a very universal thing. Children who aren't even able to speak yet, young children, can somehow connect with other young children and they can find ways to play. Animals play, communicating maybe in different ways than us, but without what we think of as formal language. Play is pretty universal. So I like the idea of Ernest is going to come up with this like, oh, I can make this connection with him. And I like the connection personally of playing catch, playing catch with the baseball. something I love to do with my kids. I like to do with my friends. I did growing up where I would stand, especially my brothers, my cousins and I, we would just play catch. And sometimes you talk and sometimes we didn't have to talk at all, but that was a connection. It was a shared experience. So Ernest decides to do that. Students could, of course, give all sorts of different answers whether they thought that was a good idea or not. But that was my thinking behind it when I was writing it is I did want this moment of nonverbal communication. How do you get past those sorts of things? For me, this kind of goes back to that. We're talking about social emotional learning competencies. We're talking about relationship skills. You can form relationships. You can build bonds with people even when we maybe have some barriers for our verbal communication. We can find ways to break through and find a connection. The next question on the curriculum guide is predict what will happen next, or I guess the next directive. Again, students could predict a lot of different things, but we've, I've already sort of laid the seed of we've got this universal translator. So presumably they'll be able to communicate verbally here and the story will continue for some extended thinking exercises I asked the students imagine you're in a position similar to Ernest's how would you communicate with someone if you didn't speak the same language and what common ground might you able to be might you be able to find without language that's exactly what we were talking about how do you do that I've been in a few situations like that travel to a different country, something like that, and encounter people where we don't speak the same language. And I think there are some nonverbal, some universal things that we can still share with people. Then I ask students to consider communication in general. What are primary components of effective communication? 
why is effective communication important? Here's another discussion that could go in a lot of different directions. But I think it's a good good discussion to have in classes. You can talk about things like body language, tone, energy, attitude, eye contact, all those nonverbal types of communication. And then if we're talking about effective communication, however you're defining effective communication, being able to get a point across, to deliver a message that can be received. And I think it's important to talk about, we talk about in class, the importance of being a receiver as well, of actively trying to receive and interpret the message checking for understanding, all those sorts of things. So that could turn into a bigger activity, and that's sort of what these extended learning, extended thinking activities are. That could be something that could be broadened out and taken in different directions. But that kind of wraps up our discussion of Chapter 5. As always, I appreciate people checking this out checking out the audio or the video components we're doing for the book and the discussions that we're having. It's been kind of fun for me to revisit some of this again. So thank you for joining me. Much love.